Praise God. Hey, just before you're seated, but don't clap, but uh, the worship team gets here at 6.30 in the morning so that they can rehearse. Can you just say two words, thank you, to the worship team? Good. Now, now the other people that show up at 6.30 in the morning or before that and set up all the sound and all that kind of stuff are the tech people and they run all the sites. Two words to them. What are we going to say? One, two, three. Thank you. Awesome to the tech people and everyone up there. Okay. Now you can have a seat. Okay. Turn to your neighbor while you're sitting down and say, wow, you look good this morning. Go ahead. Wow. You look good this morning. Yes, you do. I like the hat. I like the sporting of the hat. Way to go. Yeah, way to go. Okay, so here's the deal. Let me tell you why I think, I, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm fired up this morning. Um, I'm fired up this morning. because um, Here's the deal. This is why this morning is important from my perspective. Okay? Because here's the thing. You will either walk through your life self-limiting yourself from all that God has for you, or you will soar into all that God wants to do in and through your life. And the truth of the matter is, is that you're the one who ultimately decides if you will self-limit or if you will soar. No one can make that decision for you. You ultimately make that decision for yourself if you're going to self-limit or you're going to soar. And I believe that with all my heart. Now, here's what I know. I'm going to use an old, 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 old illustration. Way back in the day, there used to, I, I'm not actually making this up. This is really, Way back in the day, there used to be flea trainers. Now, when you think of a flea, all you think of is get them off my stupid dog or cat, right? Okay, but there used to be flea trainers, and they would put them in bottles, and they would put a lid on the bottle. And what would happen is, is that those little fleas would get in that bottle, and they would hit that lid, and it would hurt their little flea brains. And they finally figured out that if they didn't jump quite as high, it didn't hurt as much. My friend, it didn't hurt at all. And after a couple of days, what the flea trainers knew is that they could take the lid off. And those silly fleas would stay right there in that bottle. They'd just jump all the time. And even though they had, they had the ability to jump out of the bottle and be free and go jump on a dog or a cat and have fun, they were never going to do it. They were always going to stay in that bottle because they had come to the point where they self-limited themselves and they were no longer soaring. Here's the deal. What I know is, is that in some of your worlds, you had a parent, you had a boss, you had an ex-spouse, you had someone in your life, and, and, and you had some experience in your life. You were sexually molested. You had something that happened in your life. You were fired from a job. Something happened in your life. And what happened as a result of that is that you have lived the rest of your life self-limiting. You don't actually experience all that God has for you. You had a dad who never actually said to you, I believe in you. You had a mom who made despairing remarks about you. You had someone in your life that just didn't know how to be a great person in your life. And so because of that, you're living your life, you're living your life with about 40 or 50 or 60% of the potential that God put inside of you. Okay, you've all gotten to know me pretty well. Remind me your name. Amanda. You're so beautiful. And I can say that in front of your parents. Okay. 
I, it'd be a little whack if I said that, if it was just whatever, but in front of your parents, like I said. Yeah, you do. Yeah, she does. She takes after her mom, huh? Praise. Oh, after her dad? Uh, Eric, after her mom. Sorry. Um, Amanda, how old are you? 15. It would be impossible for me to fully understand all that Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and through your life. And when you're 75 and you're looking back at your life, here's what I hope. I hope that you look back and say, I let God do everything he wanted to do in my life and through my life. And I didn't limit him because of what anybody said. Because Amanda, that's my prayer for my own two daughters. Here's the thing. It's true for every one of you. It's true for every one of you. I got really passionate in the last service at Bettendorf. It's not in my notes anywhere. I just got really passionate in my notes. You know, um, hey, hey, guys in the tech booth, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but can you go... Uh, can you go to the picture of my dad that I know comes much later in the message, but can you go to the picture of my dad? There's my dad. Thank you, guys. My dad is in the presence of Jesus. Uh, he went home to go see Jesus, I know, six or seven years ago now. Can I just be really honest with you? I loved him to death. He's a shell of a man. He shut down emotionally when he was about 14 or 15 years old and never came fully alive emotionally. He lived till he was in his 80s, but he died when he was 14 or 15 years old. I'm begging you, men. I'm begging you, women. Come alive. Come alive. Can I just say, I love him. I just love him. But he missed out on so much that God wanted to do in his life. He was a believer. Oh my gosh, he loved Jesus. He was on the church board of this large church that I grew up in. He read his Bible every morning. No lie. Like every single morning, I watched my daddy read his Bible. But he never imagined that God could do anything great in his life. So he would read his Bible with limited eyes. He walked through life with limited eyes, like with blinders on. You know what they put on horses? Right? He walked through life with blinders on. He could not imagine that God could do anything great in his life. But when Holy Spirit walks in the room and we let him do what he wants to do, it changes everything. And I don't know what limiters you walked in here with. But if my dear daddy was alive, I'd look him right in the eye and say, Daddy, 
come alive. Come alive. Stop living life so full of fear of being real. My brother David, uh, go back actually, if you don't mind guys, go to my, the picture of my three, of my two brothers. Um, and I'm messing them all up. David is the one on the right. Uh, they're 17 months apart, and then there's eight and a half years until you get to me. Um, Alan is the one in the middle, is the oldest one, and then David. Um, they both, uh, I did my daddy's funeral, but they were both better than I was at my daddy's funeral. The, Alan wrote this incredible poem that was off the charts, wonderful. David made this statement that I will never forget the rest of my life, and it's kind of become this iconic statement in our family. And he was talking a little bit about my dad and a little bit about, he was very, very appropriate. David was incredibly appropriate, but he was just talking about the, a bit of the insecurity that my dad walked through life with. And so what he said, he made the statement and he said, I can't wait to meet my fully redeemed and transformed dad in heaven. In other words, I can't wait to meet who my dad was always created to be. Because I never really knew him this side of heaven. But I'll know him that. Can I say, I don't want to wait till I get to heaven to be all that Jesus wants me to be. I don't want my daughters to think of their dad and say, oh man, I wish my daddy would have allowed Jesus to transform him here or there or someplace else. There's an invitation on the table by Holy Spirit this morning to move into all that he has for you. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. I want so much for you. Who cares what I want? Your Heavenly Father wants so much for you. How many of you, and I know I'm sure I'm an ager, how many of you remember or have, how many of you ever saw the movie The Wizard of Oz? Okay. Now, when Dorothy walks in with her friends into the presence of Oz, before they figured out it's a whole sham thing, when they first walk in, what's their, what's their, how, how, what's their demeanor? How do they respond? Fear, thank you. Yeah, they're afraid, right? Interestingly enough, when people had experiences with God, like with the shepherds, when the angels came, right? So many times throughout scripture, when someone has an experience with God, what is their natural reaction? Fear. Right? Forever, you know, someone, you know, God, the angel walks in or God walks in, and the first thing they say is, uh, don't be afraid. Like, I know you're freaking out right now. Don't be afraid. It's cool. It's okay. I'm not going to hurt you. And, and the reason for that is because God is incredibly powerful. And his angels are incredibly powerful. Now, a tiny, 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 tiny little fraction of that. Is that a couple months ago, I had the privilege of taking nine pastors, including 
your former pastor, Sean Cosson, uh, to, we were in, this is um, after Sean had uh, retired and resigned from here, and he was in his new position, but I took eight other pastors, and we were, we were down in College Station, Texas, which is about an hour away from where Sean lives now. And we hung out with a guy by the name of General Mark Welsh. Now, General Mark Welsh used to be in charge of the entire Air Force. He's what they call the chief of staff of the Air Force. General Mark Welsh is a great guy. I've talked about him before. I got a picture here of us nine people. And so Sean is over there on the far right. General Mark Welsh is in the middle. Now, the thing is, is that when General Welsh walks in the room, because he's a four-star general, which is as high as you can be outside of wartime in the Air Force, when he walks into the room, everybody, we all stood. Right? Because that's what you do when a general walks in the room. For those of you who are in the military, you know that when a, when a superior officer walks in the room, everyone stands and salutes. That's what you do. In our day and age, when a judge walks in a room, maybe you've never been in a courtroom, but you've seen enough you know, stupid little shows about the courtroom, you know that when the judge walks in the room, what does the bailiff say? Everybody says, all rise, and everybody rises. Right? Well, there's never been, been a being in the universe that deserves our absolute just respect than God. That's why, that's why the psalmist writes this, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for he is our God and we are the people that he watches over. In Revelation chapter four, it says that all of heaven bows down before God. So all that is true, God is worthy of our respect and our honor. Like there's no way to say it. More than that. He's worthy of our respect and our honor. And for us to actually bow down in his presence, like literally sometimes, get on our knees sometimes. And yet, Paul comes along in this book of Ephesians, and we're, we're in the midst, we're in the third chapter of Ephesians. We're walking through the book of Ephesians together in this series, and we're in the third chapter, and Paul gets to verse 12, and this is what he says. Because of Christ and our faith in Christ, we can now come, what's the word he uses? boldly and confidently into God's presence. Now, we come with humility, but the amazing thing is, is that we come into his presence with humility, but with boldness and confidence. How incredibly different is that than the Wizard of Oz? Now, how can that be possible? How can it be possible that we actually walk into the presence of God who's worthy of praise and honor and glory and for us to hit our knees? How is it that we can walk into his presence with boldness and confidence? Well, actually, it goes back to Ephesians chapter 1, which is what Pastor Jeremiah talked to us about two weeks ago. I'm just going to remind us. Here we go. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Boy, I wish Mary saw me like that all the time. It's not her fault because I'm such an idiot and keep doing stupid things. God decided in advance to adopt us. Ah, oh, God decided to adopt you into his family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted. He wanted to adopt you and it gave him great pleasure so here's the deal. If, if you've come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, then you've been adopted by Almighty God. You know who you are? You are. You are a favorite daughter or a favorite son of the Most High God. Remind me of your name. Emily. You do look like your mama, but in a good way. And dad. Yeah, I guess there is a little bit of a combination there. Emily, you know who you are? You're a favorite daughter of the Most High God. That's who you are. 
And don't you dare let anybody else tell you anything different. Don't you dare let a guy, don't you dare let a boss, don't you dare let anybody tell you anything differently than that, because that's who you are. You are a favorite daughter of the Most High God. And you're a favorite son of the Most High God. That's who you are. That's who you are. Walk with that. Walk with that sense of confidence. Walk with that sense of knowing who you are. You're a favorite son. You're God's son. And he's crazy about you. The Bible says he's got your name written in the palm of his hand. He's got a real big hand. And he's got a lot of names in it. And you're one of them. I have a friend who lives in Madison, Wisconsin. And... Uh, he owns these really, really big health clubs. Uh, Planet Fitness times 20. Huge, 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 huge health clubs. And I met him 20 years ago. And when I met him, his son, who's, his son was about eight or nine years old at the time. The thing about Teddy was, um, so Teddy's this kid, and <laughs> he would get off school, and then he'd come to his dad's, one of his dad's clubs. And he'd run into his dad's office, and he said, Dad, can I go play hoops? Or can I get in the racquetball court and play racquetball with my sister or whatever? And Dave would say, sure, go for it. Have fun. Just go ask the people at the front desk to let the baskets down or bring the volleyball net down if that's what you want to do. It's great. Go do it. So Teddy would go up to the front desk and say, hey, can I have a basketball and can you let the hoop down? Would you put the hoop down in the gym? And the person at the front desk would say, absolutely. Happy to do it. Now, can I tell you, no other eight or nine-year-old kid could do that. No, that some adults couldn't even do that. I couldn't walk into the club and say, hey, would you put that basket down? I couldn't do that. Teddy could. But can I tell you, it had nothing to do with who Teddy was. Except it had everything to do with who Teddy was. And that was, he was the son of the owner. Do you recognize who your daddy is? Your daddy is the owner of the universe. Are you walking around with that sense of confidence that your daddy owns everything? Great, Chris. I got an NSF like a couple days ago. Could you have him like download some of that into my bank account? Trust him. He'll help you get your finances in place. Put him first. Watch what he'll do. Watch what he'll do. But are you walking around with that sense of confidence that your father God, he owns everything. And there's no limit to his power. Are you walking through life like that? Let me just be really honest with you. I'm very careful. I shared this. I didn't share it in the first service here. I shared it just now in Bettendorf. And I'm very, very careful how I share this, especially in today's world, because we're very, very um, sensitive to the LGBTQ world. And I want to be sensitive to that. But the first uh, eight years of my life going to school, uh, because my dad was a shell, uh, there was no relating to him. So there are no real conversations of any meaning or depth whatsoever. I knew from the time I was a little kid that I wanted to be a preacher. I wanted to be a pastor. It's what I wanted to do. 
doesn't make me any more special than anybody else. I just happen to know that this is what I want to do with my life. And I'd read in scripture that Jesus turned the other cheek. He encouraged us to turn the other cheek. So I had no idea what it meant to be strong and yet to be meek. I just, I just felt I always had to be meek and I always had to take it. So starting in first grade, it didn't take long for little boys to figure out that they could make fun of me. Because I thought the loving Christ thing to do was just to take it. So from the time I was in first grade all the way through the time I was in eighth grade, my nickname at school was Confaggot. That's what they called me at school for the first eight years. Confaggot. What defines you? What are you allowing to define you? Who or what has spoken into your life and you've allowed it to define you? Because we can let the world define us. Or we can allow Almighty God to define us. And God wants to define you. He went to the cross so he could. He created you. He knows what he's put inside of you. When are you tempted to ask yourself the question of your worth? When someone makes fun of you, when someone cheats on you, when someone gossips about you, when you get fired? <laughs> I'm talking, I've gotten fired from two different churches. Now, who gets fired from a church? I got fired twice. True story. Maybe for you is when a business deal went bad. Maybe you were tempted to, to think low of yourself because you wanted a business just, just as COVID was starting and you lost your shirts financially. And it's rocked you. Maybe you did something you knew you shouldn't have done and so you feel shame. It's like, I knew I shouldn't have done that. And you're walking through life with a sense of shame. Or, or maybe you just feel guilt like, You've been a jerk, and you feel badly about it. And so you start defining yourself, like, I'm always just going to be a jerk. And the enemy wants to take that and just fill your life with shame and condemnation, just over and over and over and over again. And what happens is, is that maybe, maybe there's an addiction in your life. And so you, you kind of feel badly about you. And so to try and make yourself feel better, you throw yourself into an addiction. You, you start drinking a bit. You start taking prescription drugs. You start taking harder drugs. You, you start watching porn because when you watch porn, at least for a few minutes, you, you feel better about yourself. At least you don't feel as down. And you're, and you're reaching for porn or you're reaching for a bottle or you're reaching for something. You bury yourself in something to make the pain go away. Where is it that you go? What is it that you do when you're feeling this shame, when you're feeling this pain? When someone has let you down, when something has happened to you, maybe you eat, which is, of course, what I used to do. Maybe you eat a bit too much because you try and think that in that cheeseburger, you will find life. When the truth of the matter is, is that life is only found in the person of Jesus. Life is not found in the pill bottle. Life is not found in the porn. Life is not found in those things. Life is found in the person of Jesus Christ and what he defines you as. 
And if you remember that you are a favorite son or a favorite daughter of the Most High God, then when that person calls you a name, when that person jolts you, when that boss fires you, when you when you lose your finances in some way, shape, or form, when life hits you and something happens and you want to start defining yourself by the events of your life, that's when you've got to remember who God says you are and what God says about you. And you've got to let that define you so that you can walk with a sense of confidence You can walk with a sense of boldness. You can walk with a sense of assurance of who you are. Because the world wants to tell you that you're junk. And God says, I've got so much more for you. The world wants to tell you that you're only good if your body image is good. And God's got to tell you, you know what? I don't actually care if you've got an extra 10 or 15 pounds on you when it comes to your worth. I love you, God says. I love you. I love you. Paul, who wrote the book of Ephesians, also writes this book to some people who lived in a city called Galatia. So we call it Galatians. He says, as God sent Jesus to buy our freedom, because we were slaves to the law, So he could adopt us. There's a word again. So he could adopt us as his very own children. And because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out Abba, which means daddy. I'm 56 years old, and I love, I love, hey, daddy. Hey, my heavenly father, daddy. I just need your wisdom. Now you're no longer a slave, but God's own child. Again, a favorite child. Favorite son, favorite daughter, the most high God. And since you're a child, God has made you an heir. Now, I'll make this point really, really clear. The reason that we had those pictures of my brother's eyes, because if you look back at that picture of my brother's, one of the things that you'll notice is, is that, um, <laughs> that um, I have a gap in my teeth the size of the Mississippi River. But I'm not the only one. You know, so it's, a, it's a bit of a family trait. And uh, my parents didn't believe in orthodontics, obviously. So, but guess where I got that from? Guess where all three of us got that from? My dad. Had a gap in his teeth. But here's the deal. Catch this. The gap identifies me as a Conrad. But the gap does not define me as a person. Where you are on the org chart does not define you as a person. Your bank account does not define you as a person. Your past abuse does not, uh, does not define you as a person. What someone has said about you does not define you as a person. Your marital status does not define you as a person. I'm a pastor, but that does not define me as a person. What defines me is my position in Christ, who he says I am. That's what defines me. And that's why Paul goes on and says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees. Yeah, I know I can walk in God's presence with boldness and confidence because of what Jesus has done. But when I think of all that God has done, Like it just causes me to fall to my knees and pray to the Father 
the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, we're going to come back to those words in just a second, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. Again, he prays to his father, his daddy God. God's not distant. God is always walking with us. And then he goes on and says, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. When Paul refers here to God as our creator, he's reminding us of the enormous power and the presence of God. God is all powerful. He can create the Great Barrier Reef. He can create the Himalaya Mountains. He can create it all without breaking a sweat. And he's all powerful. So why, why are you all messed up in your spirit about your next job situation? Why are you all messed up in your spirit about how this or that is going to work out? Trust in God who's incredibly powerful and who's also very present with us. You cannot outrun God's presence. You can't outrun him. He's always with us because he loves you and he wants to hang out with you because he thinks you're awesome because he created you. You're made in his image. He actually really likes hanging out with you. Do you recognize that? He loves hanging out with you. Like, my goodness, like 10 days ago, I had one of the most best experiences of the dad. My 17-year-old daughter said, Dad, can we go on a date? She asked me. I want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings. Of course we're going to Buffalo Wild Wings. Let's go. And so she and I sat across the table, and she started opening up her heart to me. There's nothing better. I love that girl. I love her with all my heart. Do you understand that that's exactly how God of the universe feels about you? That he's wildly in love with you? That he loves just to hang out with you? I wish I was passionate about some of this. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he would empower you with inner strength inner strength. I'm not, I, my heart here is not to be inappropriate. That's not what I'm trying to be at all. Genesis chapter 2, verse 26 says that Adam and Eve, this is not in my notes at all, so I'm, I'm in real trouble here. Genesis chapter 2, verse 26 says, Adam and Eve were naked and were unashamed. But can I just tell you, it's easier for me to make love to my wife than it is to be vulnerable with my wife because I have a sex drive, but I don't have a vulnerability drive. And yet what God wants me to be is vulnerable. To be naked and unashamed means to be, to be real with Mary. Now catch this guys. One last time, last time I'll do it to you. Go back to the picture of my dad. He never taught me how to be that. Can I watch this? It doesn't matter. I still have that responsibility. To love Mary as Christ loves the church, which means I'm vulnerable with her, which means I'm real with her, which means I share with her the deep stuff of my life. There's not a thing that Mary doesn't know. 
You mean there's not a thing? I mean there's not a thing. Is that easy for you? Crap, no. Does that come natural to you, Chris? Crap, no. It's easier for me. You know what's so whacked? You know what's so whacked about me? It's easier for me to preach than it is for me to be vulnerable and real with Mary. God calls me to be real with her. Catch this. That's why I need inner strength. And that's what God promises us. Paul says, God will give you that inner strength to be real, to be vulnerable, to be who God wants you to be. God promises us that. And we can tap into that inner strength. So no lie. Like, I go to God and I say, God, I need your help right now because I really need to be vulnerable with Mary about something. And he says, okay, let's go. And he literally gives me the strength to be vulnerable, to be real. It's not... It's no wonder that we've been married 31 years and we're in the happiest years of our married life right now that we've ever been. It's because God gives us inner strength. He wants to do that for you. So much more. But I got to go on because you guys don't want to be here until 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Paul recognizes that our long-term success in life comes from the inside. That's why God gives us this inner strength. It's from our character. Now, here's what we all know. We all know that there are plenty of people out there who reach some place in their life through their talent, but eventually their, their lack of character catches up to them and sabotages their life. You see that in the sports world? Right? I can't remember the guy's name. You're going to remember his name. Right? Some of you are like huge sports fans. It's a guy who took off his shirt and jersey a couple weeks ago, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not, trying to put, I'm not trying to like throw them under the bus. That's not my spirit at all. But you see people with talent. The character can't keep them there. The, the president of CNN, I'm not trying to say anything about CNN or whatever, not at all, but CEO of CNN had to resign 10 days ago because he finally got found out that he was having an affair with his like, right-hand person. His talent got him someplace that his character couldn't keep him. You see that happen all the time. God wants our, you know what's interesting to me is that Americans spend $89 billion on cosmetics and $34 billion on perfume. I wonder what would happen if we spent a fraction of that on our character. Paul knew what we needed. So he prays for our character, for the inside, for our inner strength. And then it goes on. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. God can be trusted. I don't know if your parents were trustworthy, but God can be trusted. And then, and with this, we are in our final approach to land, this message. There's a lot I want to say about that, but I'm not. Paul says, your roots will grow down deep into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power, Paul prays for you, and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep God's love is. May you experience, say experience. Great. Now now more than 12 of you say experience. experience. May you experience, say it one more time. Experience. May you experience the love of Christ. Not just talk about it, but may you actually experience it. Oh, 
If I could do anything for you, I would want you to experience the love of God for you. Actually experience it. Though it's too great to fully understand. And then, then, when you experience God's love, you will actually be made complete. Lacking in nothing. With all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Ah, he wants you to experience life at the full. That only happens when you fully experience his love. And I get it. Some of you are not touchy-feely people. I don't care. I get it. That's fine. You don't have to be touchy-feely people. That's okay. But I pray that you would actually experience in your own way the love of God for you. I pray that you would experience that. So if I could... I would have thought about it in advance. No lie. If I would have thought about it in advance, I would have gotten permission from Mary and I would have spent a couple of thousand dollars to do this. But I didn't think about it until I was on stage in the first service. But if I could do something for each of you, this is what I would do. If I could do one thing for each of you, this is what I would do. Well, I'd probably do a little bit more than this, but this is one thing I would do. I would hand you each a $10 bill as you walked out today. But you could only take that $10 bill if you promised to do something. As a matter of fact, you can grab, if some of you have smartphones, you can grab your smartphone out right now. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Grab your smartphone out. Great. Go ahead. Grab your smartphone out. And if you happen to have YouTube on your smartphone, you can go right here on YouTube or, by the way, it's going to be on our Facebook page here. This is a Facebook page. Or you just write it in your notes someplace. Or you can just write it handwritten on your white sheet of paper that some of you take notes on. I want to encourage you to go find the song on YouTube, I Am Your Beloved. It was... Uh, it was released three weeks ago by Jonathan and Melissa Helser. H-E-L-S-E-R. And if you'll find that on YouTube, the, thing, the, the song's 22 minutes long, but you only need to watch the first nine and a half minutes of it. And if I could do anything, I would beg you. And guys, you're going to feel a little awkward watching it next to your spouse, maybe. So watch it in the parking lot of work or something. I don't care. But here's what I'd love to have you do. I'd love, because I know, you're, just, you're, all into the, you're all in the football game today. I get it. I get it. My butt's going to be, you know what I'm doing today? I'm flying from here to Dallas-Fort Worth to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Is that absolutely idiotic or what? Like, what kind of idiot am I? But... Delta canceled its flight and United canceled its flight. So that's what I'm doing. So I'm going to miss the Super Bowl. But you enjoy the Super Bowl. Have fun. But here's the deal. Tomorrow, watch this video. And do me a favor. Have Ephesians 3 somewhere. Because what will happen is that they sing a little bit and then they have an instrumental part. And that instrumental part, read Ephesians, the last part of Ephesians 3, which is what we've looked at today, and remind yourself of God's love for you. If I could do anything for you, I would have you watch that video and I'd have you soak and bask in God's love for you. Because that's where you will receive inner strength and inner power and that's where you will receive all that God has for you to be who he created you to be. That's what we long for you. Now the worship team is going to come out and they're going to lead us in a song that many of you know called Reckless Love that reminds us again of the amazing love of God. But just before they come, would you do me a favor, as they're coming, would you do me a favor? 
Can we just pray together for a minute as we close? So God, right now, in this moment, I pray for my my friends in this room. I pray, first of all, for the people that do not have yet a relationship with you. And I pray that they would understand your amazing love for them. I have no idea their history. I have no idea their background. What I do know is that they are made in your image and you are crazy in love with them. So, so in love with them that Jesus, you went to the cross and died on their behalf. You died for their sin in their place to forgive them so you could be in a relationship with them. So right now, I pray that they would open up their hearts and say, God, I want to be in a relationship with you. Open up my mind. Open up my heart right now, God. Come into my life. Change me from the inside out. And God, for people that have done that many, many years ago, they opened up their heart to you. But God, I pray that they would let you do the fullness of what you want to do in their life. I pray in this moment that they would say, oh God, I open up my life fully. And Holy Spirit, I allow you to say to me all that you want to say to me. I want to walk away from the porn. I want to walk away from the alcohol. I want to walk away from the insecurity. I want to walk away from the words that were said to me. I want to walk away from the sexual abuse. I want to walk away from the mental ruts that I've been in, the things that have been limiting me. I want to leave those in the seat sitting next to me, and I want to, I want to stand up and walk out of this place free, fully experiencing life as you created me to live. I want all you have for me, God. I want all you have for me. Help me never, ever to settle for less than the best you've got for me. You went to the cross so I could experience it. I want it all. I don't want to wait until heaven to be my fully redeemed self. I want to be that now. So whatever you need to do in me, And for some of us in this room, those are foundational things that need to be shifted. My dear daddy would have heard this message when he was 50. It would have been a foundational shift. But God, you are powerful to do that. You can do that. And you want to do that in this place, in this space, in Jesus' name. So I pray right now for foundations to be shifted. I pray right now for chains to be broken. I pray right now for mental ruts to become out of, for limiting factors in our brains to be broken. In Jesus' name, in the power of Jesus' name, I pray right now for things to be broken in the spirit realm and for people to begin to walk in the freedom, Jesus, that you died to give us. And you said, Jesus, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I pray that starting this morning, right now, that people would begin to walk in the freedom that you died for us to experience. And they would never be the same again. And they'd give you all the praise 
and the glory and the honor. And they would stand up on a stage someday, kind of like Chrissy did last week, and they would say, let me tell you what I used to be, and now let me tell you who I am in Christ. Do that, God. Do that right now. See, your unlimited power, do that. Would you stand, please, people of Harris? As Josh will talk about later, there will be some prayer people in the back after the service. We'd love to pray with you. That would be an encouragement to you. We love you. We're going to sing the song of God's reckless love for us. Let God do all he wants to do in your life. Let's sing together.